Smash Africa on five. Now, over the weekend, I don't know if you noticed on social media, um, uh, there was an article that was trending. The headline read, Father says uh, weekends with his child are too much for him to afford. And um, the person said, I'm a father who's paying 1,500 rands for child support. But whenever it's my weekend to take my child, the mother doesn't pack anything and my guest for the evening felicity and guest uh, is a maintenance activist and founder of child maintenance's difficulties in south africa who answered by simply saying quote i would advise the father to have his own wardrobe for the child if they have a fixed co-parenting agreement and regular access which he could keep at his house unquote now this got the conversation going on social media so much so it trended and uh, some people going as far as sharing their experiences around that uh, felicity joins us on the line good evening felicity thank you for your time how do you do this evening hello sorry i i couldn't hear that part the signal no, no, I was just saying, how are you doing? Welcome to Five Nights. I'm um, good, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much for having me. And I'm really pleased that this has been such a conversational piece because we need to have these conversations so we understand it better. Now, with your primary focus uh, on creating awareness of financial abuse uh, uh, with a special interest on, of the manifestations and the impact of post-relationships, you, you, in your experience, you would say both parents need to be involved in order for the child to have a good livelihood, correct? Absolutely. Now... That, that is a preference. Now... Let's let's get into it. I want to talk to part-time parents. How can they play a bigger role at being involved? Because here we say both parents need to be involved. Yes. Um, the first thing that I would suggest is that both parents deal with whatever issues they were or are. And go for counselling. If there are still issues, then rather use a mediator who is a neutral person and will allow the parents to reach amicable agreement for mm. a parenting plan and a maintenance agreement that is in the interest of the child. Because if they participate, then they, there's a higher chance that they will adhere to the agreement mm. as opposed to going to court and having it ruled that this is how it's going to be. So participate in the process. Um, and then I think that there is there, there's less grenading on parenting plan agreements and maintenance agreements if both parents are involved in the decision-making. Mm. And the benefit for the child is that they build a healthy relationship with both parents. Mm. And often when parents are separated, having that healthy relationship, it can be a struggle. How can they put their child first or their children first? Well, you know, we have to be honest that there has to be a sense of maturity, emotional emotional maturity, and there's a lot of people that battle with that because they can't even face the only difficulties and then to still deal with the differences with another person and then still prioritize themselves. Mm. So, I, you know, if we always just think of the best interests of the child and 
often put our own disagreements aside mm-hmm. um, because the children don't need to know everything. You know, what they want to see is that two parents that actually care about us and prioritize our needs as opposed to their own needs. Mm, mm. Now, let's talk about parents who are not... Because the kids learn from, the kids learn from their parents, so those closest to them. And it's such an amazing opportunity for us as adults to teach children how to navigate and deal with disagreements mm. and find solutions. Mm. I want to talk about partners who are not ready to be responsible and take care of their own children. You know, not those who have kids um, when they are married and then there's a separation. I'm talking about those people who are just in a relationship and now there's a child and one party is not ready to be responsible and take care. What advice and what would you say to that parent listening right now? Well, I would say that the child had no say in this and the child is there and the child is dependent on two people who we will assume are adults, but we've seen the, the other statistics that have also recently been released about the number of young girls between from the ages of 10 up to 19 that are having children. So I I don't, I mean, how much life experience have they had? Mm. Um, and then, and you know, I don't know how old their fathers are, so that's weren't available. Um, but I mean, they could be young or they could be old. So those factors also come into play. But it's, I think it's important to ask for help. Even us as grown-ups, we didn't get a manual when we became parents. Mm. Uh, we had to kind of learn. And who did we learn from? Some of us are fortunate. We've been able to ask our parents or grandparents or other people close to us, extended family members. A lot of people don't have those. There's also a lot of single-headed households. Um, but then, you know, the social development have social workers. Mm. Reach out to the social workers and ask for help before it becomes problematic because we have a responsibility. If our kids are not careful, we are actually guilty of child neglect and child abuse, Mm. intentionally or unintentionally. And then churches are also pretty helpful. Mm. Um, Other family members, NGOs, there's so many NGOs that are active in prevention work, um, you know, social media is an amazing place to find information mm. um, and ask. Just ask. There's no shame in asking because you don't know. Mm, mm, I really like that. Let's talk about societal influence on gender roles. What are the positives and the negatives from that? Okay, I'm going to start with the negative. And the negatives are that um, the world is a different place today in terms of parenting where traditionally women stayed at home and the priority was raising the family and more women are having to go and work because they are um, responsible for their children Mm. Um, and also even when couples are together and or married often because of cost of living both parents have to work anyway Mm. Um, so who are, who is raising the children? Often they are with extended family members or they're in care facilities. And our children are being influenced sometimes negatively by their peers, but also by the social norms of that, you know, women are superheroes, that they can, they can perform miracles, they can provide irrespective of whether they're working or not. Mm. Um, so, but the positive is, is that 
in spite of a gender socialization that women are nurturers and men are providers, that men are also quite capable of being nurturers, and many, many are. Mm. That, you know, even if they're single fathers, to mm. when the children are young, I, I see dads with their children strapped to their bodies and pushing them in strollers, that it's that can be nurturers. And it's learned behavior, and we need to encourage men to change that socialization and to be present because they can be nurturers and providers at the same time. Mm, I believe that. Now, let's talk about blame game. What does it achieve um, when, when parents play the blame game um, around supporting and providing for their children? Well, I think it just causes more conflict. Mm. Because um, if you're just going to keep blaming each other, when do you actually get to discuss the issues that are impacting on the children? And we just perpetuate the narratives that, um, you know, parents separate because they can't even communicate with each other. So Mm. we need to teach our kids that we can resolve conflict because it's not just an interpersonal relationship. We're all going to face conflict, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's socially or in our hobbies or our sports. There's conflict and there's disagreements. And this is a we don't. We can't blame the rest, you know. We've got to get on with the game. Mm, mm, I totally agree with that, and I hear that. Now, let's talk about how much do you tell your child, especially around separation and the support, um, whether you are receiving it or you are not receiving it. How open are you to your children about your situation? Um, so, support. I think that. Although child maintenance, childcare, and parenting is addressed by two different courts and two different acts, there is an intersection. So I'm going to try and cover them separately and then together. Mm. I, I think one from the child's self-esteem and self-worth that it's important for the children to understand that the parents' relationship might have ended and that they no longer love each other in that way but they're not abandoning the children. They're not divorcing or leaving their children. And that this happens, you know, normal. Friendships end, um, work relationships end. And, you know, I, I encourage parents to find good examples for children of where relationships have ended, but in a healthy manner so that they have context for it. Mm. And don't get the children involved in the details that do not concern them. Obviously, this is quite age-appropriate. Younger kids that often don't see things and hear things. The older the kids are, if, you know, if there's abuse or if there's um, affairs or kids are picked up when they're older. Mm. But having said that, um, when a child does ask where the father, the father is, and often, you know, it's so common for kids to be it's normal to understand that fathers are absent because in this country there's 70% of children that are growing up without fathers. So they have context for this. But our children, it affects our children because they often blame themselves um, Mm. and that it affects their self-worth. So in order to raise healthy children with a healthy self-esteem, which them well for the rest of their lives as healthy young children and healthy adults that we 
show the children that um, there are problems, give them what they need to know and not what they don't need to know, all the details. But having said that, it becomes quite difficult if the child keeps saying, where's my dad, where's my dad? And there's a balance between the truth and not affecting the child's self. Um, if you kind of say the narrative, well, you know, they don't care about us, they don't pay, they never visit, that's going to feed into a negative self-esteem for the child. But you can say, I'm not too sure, we're trying to get hold of him, and, you know, we're going to keep trying so that there is a bit of hope, but without, but at the same time, we're reassuring the child that they are loved. Mm. I've got a WhatsApp voice note here I want to play. I, I don't know if you'll be able to hear it, but let me try myself out, okay? Okay. You know, co-parenting is one of the most challenging things that I think I've ever had to do um, because in as much as we want to be such adults about it and just say, hey, it's really about the child or whatnot, we are human and um, a lot of the times... Um, the process of becoming a single parent is a very painful one um so it takes time and a lot of healing a lot of forgiving a lot of understanding that it's it's no longer just about you it's about your child also um but learning to bury the hatchet and forgiving this person to a point where um you can be unaffected by the history you have is is not um a small thing did you catch that Unfortunately, I didn't. So she just talking about the pain that she has to carry um, of of co-parenting and some of the pains from the past, whether it was relationship, um, whether it was the relationship that was the issue or them not being there. But just having to deal with the pain is easier said than done in her lived experience. Yes, it is easier said than done because often we as the parents have to absorb that in order to protect our children. And from our own journey and from thousands of other women's journeys, it's important to heal because that often, I believe that we all carry some kind of trauma and these kind of things trigger us to to previous trauma and that this is a wonderful opportunity for us to do deep-layered healing um, within ourselves so that even in these circumstances, that we acquire better tools to navigate this. Because the truth is, our happiness does not depend on other people. We in charge of that. Although there are triggers and we have no control over how other people behave, we are entirely responsible on how we respond to that. But So the more we heal and the more tools we get in our toolbox to become healthier individuals, the easier it is for us to to deal with these issues. Mm. Let's talk about empowerment. How do we go about empowering single dads and single mothers? There are more single mothers than there are single dads. What do you have to say about empowerment uh, regarding this topic? So empowerment is gaining knowledge, and we can gain as much knowledge as we want, but it doesn't equate to anything if we don't put it into practice. Mm. So, again, you know, groups like mine where we really advise people on what the children's rights are and how to enforce those and what our responsibilities are. It's also acknowledging that you need some kind of support. So I think it's important to be heard because people just believe this is maintenance or co-parenting, but this is an incredibly emotive topic, either one of them. And people just want to be heard. 
So find safe spaces where you can be heard. And this is single moms and single dads. And there are so many single dad groups. I work with one of the um, young fathers care. And there are many others. Um, find a support group where you can actually be heard and where you can learn about other skills that you can acquire or ways of educating this. Mm. Felicity, we are running out of time. I'm going to try and squeeze in this last question. It's in two parts. Where and when does the work begin to change our attitudes and views around terms like baby mama, drama, and deadbeat dads regarding raising our children and giving them a good livelihood? Um, We are all born into the social construct of gendering of gender roles, socialization of gender roles. So we, I, as we and have dialogues and conversations, realizing that we are born into this construct, this social construct, and we have no reason to have to defend it, then we are more open to listening and discussing between the genders because it has become a bit of a gender war and we see that on social media. Where we collectively can sit together and hear each other without then having to defend, because we're not accusing anybody. We are talking about the socialization that we're all born into. Does it work for us? How is it working for us? How is it not? And how can we um, redefine this Mm. so that we can start living? Because the world is really a completely different place, but the, the old socialization and narratives still exist. Because we, we're not prepared to be honest about this without getting defensive and attacking each other. Mm, that's the truth. That's the truth. Felicity and guests, thank you so much for your insight and your input. This is a conversation that needs to happen on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, until we can collectively raise our babies together, whether we are together or separated or we are not together. I really appreciate it. That was uh, Felicity and Guest. And um, essentially, she is uh, one person when you want to talk about maintenance. Uh, and uh, she is the founder of Child Maintenance's Difficulties in South Africa. Check them out. They're doing really amazing work. A big thank you to Felicity and guests for contributing to that conversation. You're more than welcome to share your experiences. We still got time to unpack this trending chat. So hit me up on the 5FM WhatsApp line 082-550-5151. No, we are not doing the blame game. We are simply having a conversation and making sure that we have an outlet and we empower one another. Each one, teach one. Smash Africa on five nights. 7 to 10 p.m.